Rutgers legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of Chasing Poker Greatness and Tactical Tuesday. Today, I am once again joined by John, and he's going to be talking about some king-queen offsuit three bets and triple barrels, so double threes, the three bets and the triple barrel, one that goes okay and the other that goes not so okay. John, how you doing, sir? How's it going, Brad? Couple of uh, couple of yeah, three barrel bluffs that I am bringing to you today. Um, I'm actually, uh, you know, kind of just from like a coaching perspective, I'm sort of interested to hear whether you thought either of these bluffs were good or reasonable. Um, and you know, maybe maybe they were both punts. I don't know, but uh, yeah, that's kind of what I'm here to find out today. Cool, man. Let's dive into it. I, I think that. Yeah, they're they're interesting hands, and I'm not sure that I even will know what my opinion is until we get into the meat of the hands and yeah, start thinking about them in depth. All right, sounds good. So both of these hands happen at uh, five ten, no limit cash, six max on ignition. Um, they both happen against regs. In the first hand, uh, the reg on the button raises to twenty dollars. I have king queen offsuit and the big blind king of spades. Queen of Clubs. Um, I think the suits are actually kind of relevant in the analysis of this hand. So, anyways, the button opens twenty. I three bet King Queen offsuit. I'm going to be three betting King Queen offsuit, King Queen suited, a hundred percent of the time in this formation. I three bet ninety dollars, and the button calls. Flop is Jack of Spades, Seven of Diamonds, Three of Hearts, Jack Seven Three Rainbow. Uh, I see bet for 60% pot, so uh, around $109 into 185 and button calls. Um, Why 60? So this is something that uh, I've been noticing, especially since jumping into the one the 510 pool on ignition, um, that the standard C-bet sizing from the out-of-position 3-better, uh, especially small blind versus button um, and big blind versus button and versus cutoff. Uh, I've noticed that it, it, it seems like most of the strong regs were be- betting like 50 to 60% with range. Um, and that was something that uh, sort of like tripped me up when I first moved up to one KNL and I spent kind of uh, like a week or so just like learning that strategy and learning like what boards I can see about range for that size on. And, and also kind of just trying to understand what the correct response to uh, someone betting a larger size than I was used to on the flop with range, um, just kind of learning that response. So yeah, I actually have, this is, I guess, <laughs> this is kind of getting into my secrets a little bit, I guess, but like I actually have two sizes um, as the C-better, um, or as a three-better C-betting out of position. Um, I would bet 60% with my air and, yeah, pretty much just my air. And then I would probably, <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably C-bet a third with like, Pairs smaller than a jack. So if I had pocket eights, nines, tens, I'd see about a third. 
I think I'd see better third with a jack and I'd see better third with over pairs. So this is a spot where I'm very, very exploitatively uh, splitting my sizings. Okay, makes sense. And I'm assuming if you're exploitatively doing it, you've reflected and meditated and analyzed and you have good reasons for doing what you do. Yes. <laughs> that is the least <laughs> confident yes. Um <laughs> Okay, we're going to make the assumption that you do, and we're going to move forward because if you don't, that's a private coaching session in and of itself, I think. Okay, so uh, just to recap the action, I have king-queen offsuit. Uh, in a three-bet pot, the flop was jack-7-3 rainbow. The turn is the nine of diamonds, uh, which brings in a diamond flush draw. The seven on the flop is also a diamond. There's $403 in the pot. I continue barreling on this turn. I pick up a uh, gut shot to go along with my two overcards. Um, I, when I'm barreling this turn, I'm probably going to be barreling lots of rivers, especially non-diamond rivers. Um, I thought in game that not having the uh, back row flush draw would be kind of one of the reasons to continue barreling rivers. So anyways, I uh, continue betting, uh, continue C betting on the turn for, uh, about two thirds, I bet two forty into four hundred dollars, and the button calls again. Why do you prefer to not have the backdoor flush draw to barrel? Um, I think having the backdoor flush draw uh, to barrel just the turn is. Uh, I would like prefer having the backdoor flush draw just to have you know the additional outs going to the river. But I think on brick rivers, on non diamond rivers, I would prefer not to have the diamonds so that I uh, don't block. Uh, portions of my opponent's folding range, which I hope includes some, you know, backdoor diamonds. Like if, let's say, if the button had a hand like queen ten of diamonds, um, I could easily, I could definitely see the button finding a float on the flop with um, two with a backdoor straight draw and the backdoor flush draw, um, and you know, continuing similar types of hands once they hit the backdoor flush on the turn or backdoor flush draw on the turn. Um, and so once we get to the river and the flush draw bricks, I want them to have the diamonds and I don't want to have the diamonds myself so that they find more folds. Yeah, there's going to be a fair amount of them too that they float with ace, queen of diamonds, ace, ten of diamonds, king, ten of diamonds, queen, ten of diamonds. Right, right. Uh, I don't know if I said ace, ten of diamonds. If I did, I'd just say it twice. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a not insignificant number of those types of hands that we would prefer if we're trying to get Phil into fold to have those hands in their range. Mm -hmm. um, so we get to the river. The board is now Jack seven, three, nine, five, the five is a five of clubs. So the diamond flush does not get there. I jam my last $591 into a pot of 883. I think this is, other than the small size on the flop, um, I think this is the same line that I would take with my overpairs. Um, I think I would just go for three streets with aces, kings, and queens, trying to stack a hand like ace-jack um, or any type of jack, which I assume is just not going to fold. And yeah, I guess, I guess this is you know just one of the bluffs that I'm going to have to balance out those value hands. Um, is there... Any reason you don't like this bluff or you do like it, um, I sort of, I don't know, uh, I was kind of up in the air as to whether, you know, <clears throat> I'm just going too crazy here uh, with too many hands if I'm doing this. I'm a little indifferent to it. I think that, like, they're going to have, you know, the hands that we mentioned, 
There's 883 in the pot. You're betting 591 here on the river. And the final board is tray of hearts, seven of diamonds, jack of spades, nine of diamonds, five of clubs. I think that given that the flop is jack seven tray and the term is a nine, they're going to have like tens. They're going to have eights. They're going to have eight, nine. They're going to have nine, 10. They're going to have seven, eight. You know, those sort of like bluff catchy type hands. Mm -hmm. They actually probably have four, five suited as well because. Yeah, if they call the three putt with that, yeah. Or five, uh, five, six, I meant like five, six is a double gut shot on the turn. Yep. Um, So like five, six suited, I think they have that, that, that we can fold out on the river. So like basically, yeah, I mean, they have, they have plenty of marginal strength type hands. We don't know how they're structuring their range. Like, so if there's any removal because they raise like a set of trays or a set of sevens at any frequency on an earlier street, I suspect these players at 1KNL on Ignition are pretty good about flatting with those type of hands, but mm-hmm. they may raise, you know, 25% of them, which there's some removal there, which makes our bluff better on the turn so like i think it's just a fine bluff i don't think you're necessarily over bluffing here with king queen considering how you're structuring your strategy i think it's fine okay um just one small point that i guess that makes this hand like maybe not the perfect king queen offsuit combo to bluff um is that the jack of spades is on the board and i have the king of spades and presumably i'd like to be blocking like the king jack of spades combos and the queen jack of spades combos um, so I guess like having red king queen or king queen let me ask you a question here. would be slightly better. Do you think if you have the queen of diamonds yeah. that that that's going to shift this decision from being a bluff or a check based on you having that one blocker? No. Okay, then who cares? Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Getting <laughs> like, a little too fancy, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. the reason I brought that up was because like I, I shared a similar hand where I went for it in the current students group and uh coach thomas like made a comment about like oh like you know it might it would be slightly better to have you know a different combo of ace queen suited than like the one that i had um so that sort of <laughs> that's like gotten me thinking a lot about like when i do bluff uh like whether i'm blocking the you know top pair good kicker suited combos or not but yeah uh maybe too too much analysis for this end i i think that like basically m- most decisions are not going to hinge on a trivial such a trivial thing like that. I think you misplayed the hand that coach Thomas is talking about. And now yeah, the, yeah. the listener to the podcast is going to be like, what the hell is that hand that he misplayed? Maybe we'll just cover it next week. Um, so no, 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 that's all right. We, <laughs> we don't have to talk about it here. <laughs> Let's just say that. Yeah. The hand was misplayed, not because you used the wrong suits but because you chose the wrong actions. And ultimately like that's, t- that's going to be a, a bigger determination as to like whether the bluff is good or not just like then having the key or perfect blockers for the situation right right okay i've yet to look at like a bluffing opportunity that has been decided on whether or not we have the right blockers um in my data analysis all right but okay i I also haven't done a ton of data analysis on regs specifically, and maybe some spots will be that razor thin. I don't know. I just know that like for that to be the line um, is pretty arbitrary. And yeah, I would, I wouldn't, that wouldn't be my line. Yeah. Okay. 
So, John, you're here. You piled. What's the result of this king-queen? Uh, I got snapped by the nuts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, which was not one of the hands I was trying to fold out. So, you know, it's not some disaster that he uh, calls it the nuts there. But uh, the button did have 10-8 of spades. So he flopped a uh, gut shot with a backdoor flush draw and then turned the nine, which gave him the nut straight, um, which he uh, called on the turn and then called my jam um, on the river with. And I don't know, I'm, I'm a little bit okay with seeing a hand like that because I feel like if he has a hand like 10 of 10 8 of spades he's going to have like 9 10 of spades 8 9 of spades which are going to have a much tougher time facing this barrel um or facing this triple barrel so kind of ran into it this time but still happy to see that he does call button does call those types of hands on the flop and it's totally expected like seeing 10 8 here is just part of their range and it's an an expected part of their range so we don't really learn very much from them just having the nuts mm-hmm. Cool, man. So after the break, we're going to dive into another king-queen hand that John triple barrels. That goes a little better than getting snapped off on the river by the nuts. Stick around. In a world where a fish dog bets the flop and you don't know what to do, one man Coach Brad Wilson has a surefire plan to neutralize flop leads that dunk to shreds. Nuffle. Available now. Go to chasingpokergreatness.com slash Nuffle. Rated R. So John, you've used neutralized flop leads in the past 24 hours, correct? Yeah, so I got the basically the slide with all the info on it on Friday evening and yesterday I played a session of uh, 1KNL on Ignition and played one particular pot that I remember where a fish just donks flop turn river into me and I ended up winning with a hand that I would have folded before looking at the slide but I ended up winning like a $400 pot instead and the course is $99 so (laughs) definitely paid for itself very very quickly and and i think that'll be the case for even people that aren't playing as big as 510 no limit like i think this is a course that will very very quickly pay for itself given how how much more donking there is at lower stakes and i think one of the most common questions i see asked in the greatness village slack group is what do donks mean how do i deal with donk bets i I think that's got to be like in the top three most frequently asked questions you, you ought to feel very excited when somebody donks into you because some good things are about to happen. You said like you probably don't need anyone to teach the course or like you can just look at the slide and, and learn all the info yourself. I feel like you, you, Brad, will have to be there because I am I'm almost sure, sure that anybody who looks at the slide won't believe it looking at what they're supposed to do and will have to confirm with you that like you didn't make a massive typo somewhere and that this is actually what they're supposed to do because... It's pretty shocking. The optimal way to deal with fish donking into you on the flop is. If you'd like to check out Neutralize Flop Leads so that you're never again confused when a fish leads into you in a single race pot, head to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash Nuffle. That's ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash N-U-F-F-L-E. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to part two of this Tactical Tuesday where John is 
going crazy with the king queen offsuits, both pre-flop, post-flop, pretty much every single decision point, you're going crazy, right? Yeah, I just kind of, yeah, just uh, went ham on <laughs> at every chance I had with, with king queen offsuit uh, this yeah. last session. <laughs> It's like you're Mario in Donkey Kong, right? Like you're always just ham- looking for something to hammer. I wish smash. I could just make a pair instead one day. <laughs> that would be nice and and, <laughs> and just value bet. Uh, I I definitely prefer that. Well, you know, you you need some excitement in your life. So <laughs> show me, or let's break this down for the listener. This second king queen. Sure. So same. Game five ten no limit on ignition. Uh, the cutoff opens to twenty five dollars. Um, we're starting at hundred big ones effective. The cutoff appears to be a reg over small sample of hands. We only have twenty eight hands on him, but he's playing twenty seven twenty three with a seventeen percent three bet. So uh, looks to be a pretty good player. Um, I have king queen offsuit again on the button. I have three bet to eighty dollars, and the cutoff calls. So we go to a flop of Jack Jack Six Rainbow with $175 in the pot. Uh, the cutoff checks, and I see bet for a third pot, $55. That's I'm going to be see betting this flop with range in position as a three better uh, for this size. This is not going to be a spot where I have any different sizes. Um, do you have any thoughts about? Nope. I think it's so I think it's expected, fine, normal, all that. Okay, so I see about $55 on Jack-Jack-6 Rainbow. The cutoff calls, the turn it is the th- uh, third Jack, so now the board is Jack-Jack-6 Jack. The cutoff checks again. I think there could definitely be a, a question about sizing here on the turn. I picked uh, the really small sizing and um, that one-third again, thinking like this is probably going to be the size that I choose to go with my overpairs that like need very, very little protection. I don't see too much uh, merit in betting a big size on the turn as a bluff. Don't think I'm getting, uh, maybe I get some A size to fold, which is good with when I have King Queen, but I don't think I'm getting any pairs to fold on this turn. So I think I would prefer going for like, prefer going for my fold equity, I guess on the river rather than the turn. What Um, would, what would, so I think the small size is fine and that's inappropriate kind of tying back into the last King queen where we had our discussion on blockers. Like Mm -hmm. ideally what would be the best blockers to have like the best combo of King queen here? So it's the Jack of hearts, the Jack of clubs and the Jack of spades on the board. I would assuming that the cutoff only peels the three bet with um, like King Jack and queen Jack suited. I would want to have at least one of my king or queen be a diamond. Yeah, the king queen of diamonds would be like the yeah. nut, the nut yeah. king queen to have because right. like. Oh, I thought we were talking about offsuit. Yeah. Well, I said just king queens. You okay? Yeah, I'm yeah, assuming yeah. that queen. you three bets yeah. the suited variety the same way you three bet the yeah. offsuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, basically, like villains jack x here, they're gonna have ace jack of diamonds. King Jack of Diamonds, Queen Jack of Diamonds, Jack Ten of Diamonds, so four combos of mm-hmm. quads. Mm-hmm. And I would just say that, like, basically, if you have King Queen of Diamonds, that reduces it to two, which mm-hmm. is it's just nice. It's a nice little bonus and just something that I wanted to touch on before we move to the yeah. river. 
I have no diamonds in my hand, by the way, so I have one of the worst. Uh, Correct. That doesn't block any. I have the king of clubs and the queen of spades, and the jack of clubs and jack of spades are both on the board. So, uh, yeah, just going against my own uh, kind of questioning in the first hand, hand as well. Uh, just again, just going crazy with king queen offsuit. Oh. And again, like like I said at the first hand, like you wouldn't care. <laughs> I don't care. Like the blockers really are not a determiner as to whether or not I'm going to bluff the river. It'd be nice, but lots of things in the world would be nice. Right. Right. Can't just wait for the perfect situation every time. Exactly. All right. So I bet 90, the cutoff calls $90. Um, the river is the five of spades. So the board is Jack, Jack, six, Jack, five. There's $465 in the pot. Cutoff checks. And I, Jam the cutoff by seven hundred seventy four dollars. I have them covered, so it's uh well a little bit over one and a half x plot. Again, this is a spot where I'm going to be splitting my sizings and playing pretty exploitatively. I I don't think I would jam any value on the river. Uh, don't think I'd jam. I certainly would not jam quads. I probably would not jam uh good boats. I definitely wouldn't jam bad boats. Um, so yeah, this, you know, these, this, uh, these sorts of bluffs are probably going to be the only hands that I find the gem with on the river. Um, I don't know. Should we talk about that? Do you think that's okay? Or I think it's, so the reason I think it's okay is that like, this is a fairly rare run out where the turn trips doesn't happen with a high frequency. So like maintaining some sort of balance in a spot like this just seems kind of silly because like if you had a hundred thousand hands against me and knew what to look for it would be hard to figure out what's going on in this exact like turn trip uh turn board tripping turn spot so like i i i'm fine using exploitable strategy i don't think that like somebody's gonna get you i would say that like I, I guess I'm a suspicious person. It, that's my nature is susp- it, like rooted in suspicion. And I would be fairly suspicious of this bet, but I don't know that I'm a good representative for how other regs think about these spots because I, I think they tend to just kind of overfold. Whereas my natural inclination is to probably overcall. I so I, I'm with you when I see you know people use the jam sizing in you know these sorts of situations where they where I feel like they could easily have a, a value bet sizing. Um, I get curious sometimes and overcall or make very very light call downs in these spots, thinking that they're probably using the same uh, logic that I am and and you know trying to go for the max full equity with the river jams. But I have run into you know a decent number of people who for whatever reason, whether it's greed or whether it's you know playing a balanced strategy, that they actually just have what they're supposed to have when they uh, jam the river. So that, that kind of gives me um, a little bit of like, uh, like solace and like using this strategy, this very exploitable strategy myself, because like, I'm sort of like protected by the other people who are jamming value. And I'm like, okay, like they're, they're, they're doing it for me. So like, I don't have to worry that, you know, yeah, exactly. Player four has no value when they overbet jam the river. um, Even though I don't. Yeah. It's great. Like it's great when the population protects you and you don't have to actually be the person like, taking the bullet um so yeah for all of those reasons i I like the i like the line with the king queen i think it's good and let's hear about what happened on the river 
Yeah, so I jam the river for one and a half X pot and the cutoff holds uh, pocket threes. So I think that's well done. <laughs> yeah, I'd be a little devastated if that called, <laughs> called me on the river. Um. As you should. Um, if they just snap it with trays, then that's quite a blow to your strategic there, strategic uh, plan. Cool, man. These are some good king queen offsuit hands. Good to see you back in the lot in the live, out of the live poker streets, back on the online streets. Um, how's your week back been? Oh, it was. It's been a rough transition back. <laughs> uh, uh, first first day after my first session of uh, online after coming back from Vegas, I lost like just over six k in like I don't know, not very many hours. Um, and uh, yeah, just kind of been like trying to grind, grind it back um, from from my first 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 session. Um, actually, like the last couple of days, I think I've sort of felt like myself again and kind of getting back into the like the groove of online poker. But um, yeah, that's something that I notice notice about myself is that like when I take like even a week off, or, you know, I'm, I was playing poker like during my week, my quote unquote week off, and I still like felt kind of rusty online coming back. And yeah, it's actually something that I'm like pretty impressed by you, Brad. Like I feel like. You just like sometimes you just like pull up, you know, like a one K or like a two K session after like two months of not playing any poker, and you're just like, yeah, like I feel great. Uh, I definitely don't have that ability in me. It takes me like three or four days to remember like what I'm doing. And, <laughs> well, <laughs> just, yeah, it's not like riding a bike for me. I guess that's yeah. Like so, a I've played many more hours of online poker than you have, and, and B whenever I'm not playing poker, it's not like I'm not thinking about poker. Basically everything in my life is centered around poker in some way. Like we're recording this tactical Tuesday on a Monday night directly after back to back to back private coaching sessions. So like I haven't played poker today, but I've just spent the last six hours talking about poker straight, you know? Yeah, but again, like in my defense, I played poker every single day of my day. <laughs> I was thinking about poker every day too. And I just, I came back and got absolutely smacked by everybody. You could just be assigning a narrative around an unfortunate session that where everything went against you. And it could be as simple as that. Mm, that unfortunately, that's, that's, not, <laughs> that's not how it happened. There were a lot of uh, self-inflicted sack yes. Uh, one of them, <laughs> one of them in the current current students yeah, channel yeah, that the one that we uh, briefly <laughs> <laughs> we alluded to that the listener will never get to hear, but yeah. just safe to say it gets my punt seal of disapproval. That's pretty hard to do, actually. So <laughs> yeah, it is hard. It is hard to get my punt <laughs> seal of disapproval. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Hopefully, you'll figure out, remember where all the buttons are over this next week and uh, look forward to throwing down on Tactical Tuesday with you in the next seven days. Thank you very much for your time and your energy to the listener. Thank you, as always, for hanging out with me and John on Tactical Tuesday, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Chasing Poker Greatness. If you have yet to subscribe to the show, please take a second to do so on Apple Podcasts or wherever your favorite place to listen to podcasts may be. For more content from me, Coach Brad, please visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash enhance your edge, and I'll see you next time.